Amen. 13 years. That's hard to believe. How many were here on our opening Sunday? Raise your hand. Hey, Janelle, I'm really glad these people started coming. This would be a really awkward service right now with me and my wife, wouldn't it? We might have just stayed home, had a little coffee, shared a little devotional, and called it a day. Wow. Thank God you all showed up. Oh, man. It is great to be here, and it's exciting that God is working here 13 years later. We're finally a teenager, so now we can be fully uh, responsible, right? Uh, Amen. Uh, Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. I said it a moment ago, and I meant it. Uh, Eastlake stands unashamedly in defense of the life of unborn children. And there is a March for Life this Thursday in uh, Richmond. And if you're able, I hope Eastlake has a good number of people that go. It, It got real close to home this week, didn't it? And you know what? God have mercy. God have mercy on us if we lay our hands on the things that he creates so precious. And I know that, and I know we believe in mercy and redemption, and I believe the grace of God can forgive and heal and restore and give peace and joy because many, many families have been touched by this issue. Uh, but, but, uh, we, and, and so don't let it be a scarlet letter around your neck. God's grace redeems and heals and restores, but we will not stand idly by and not say something when our legislatures and our governor, unfortunately, spoke so grotesquely about God's creation. And I'll just say this, do not mess with God. Do not mess with God. We welcome all of you this morning, now that I've killed the service, uh, we're going to talk about... um, unthinkable power. Now, I uh, will hopefully explain that over the next few minutes. I want to reflect for a few minutes on the past 13 years. Uh, I could write a, a, a long speech on different things I've learned, but let me, let me summarize it, and then I want to share one main thought this morning that I have learned over the past 13 years, and it's an encouraging thought to my heart. And, uh, but the, a couple things I've learned, I've, I've learned of my own weakness and frailty in the past 13 years. I look back and I see all the uh, inadequacies in my own life and ministry and I think, oh man, I wish I would have done this or done that. And I, I look back with really a sense of humility and awe that, man, God, thank you for being good to us and bringing us to where you are today. I, I, I was uh, weak and frail in my ability to see what God was up to. We knew from the beginning that God was going to plant a church here and it was going to be a good Bible-centered, Christ-centered, Spirit-led church. We were committed to that from the day, from the day we, this idea was formed. But uh, if you watch the video that we showed, they showed a little clip of the first service there a few minutes ago. And that video is ironic. I mean, it's interesting because, because we were saying everything, by and large, we're saying today on a seed scale. So the, the, the seed, the essence of what we're doing today was the same then. It was, just a, it was just microscopic. So the scope, God has not changed the essence of who we are. He's changed the scope of what we're doing. And it's, it, was, it was encouraging, but it was also embarrassing to see how, how small our thinking was. I've been, I've been made aware of my own weakness and frailty. 
I have been made aware that God has, and I, I knew this, but I've been made freshly aware that God has incredible people in his kingdom. Amen? And one of the stories of Eastlake over 13 years is that God has assimilated a group of unbelievable people with diverse backgrounds, diverse experiences for something unique and special. Something I've said here, I picked it up from one of our consultants along the way. You can tell what God is getting ready to do by the size of the artillery he rolls up around you. That's a great encouragement to me. Because every time I meet another person from Eastlake or I get acquainted with someone else at Eastlake, I'm just, I walk away and go, Lord, you rolled up a big one this time. People with wisdom and experience and resources and understanding. And honestly, I said this in the earlier service, uh, a pastor is a shepherd, a teacher, a guide, a discipler. He's the one that, and I understand that's sort of my role and I, I embrace that. But I'll be real honest with you. Over the past 13 years, this church has discipled me. This church has discipled me. The people in this church, the wisdom, watching them, learning from them, listening to them, praying with them, growing with them, it has changed dramatically who I am for the glory of God. And so I just, one thing I've learned is this is, this is uh, God has an incredible group of people. I've learned thirdly that God has a plan and he wastes very little along the way. One of the things that I've learned is that, you know, in, in a, a, less, a less mature view of church would see it as, let's start a church, and this will be our church, and we'll do the best we can to make it thrive, and we'll get 100 or 200 or 300 people. It'll be a nice church. We'll have our own Sunday school department. We'll take our own little mission trips. We'll have our own youth group. We'll have our, it's a great thing, and then if some other church is doing something, then okay, well, that's not our church. That's their church, and so we have our church. But what I've learned over the past 13 years is that God has one big, glorious plan, and every church that's being blessed is a part of his plan it's not that church's plan amen and so so what I've learned is that long before long before I came to Smith Mountain Lake I actually learned this in the last couple of weeks this is a really crazy thing uh, but long before I came to Smith Mountain Lake and long before we laid out the vision as we have it today I, I was I was talking to an individual who said in 1998 a group of people at Smith Mountain Lake long-term lifers at Smith Mountain Lake, began praying. A group of about 10 people began praying. And he, he actually brought to me this morning the things that they were praying about. And they were praying that God would raise up a Christian school and a camp and conference center for pastoral renewal and a, and a church that was sending... They were praying for this. You want to know what? I've learned, I've learned that this, this is not mine, this is not East Lakes, this is not HR. This is the, the work of God. And God has had a plan. Now, some of those people died. They never saw any of this. They probably thought, well, that was just, we were a little off base on that prayer when they died. But when they got to heaven, God said, hey, come into this room. I got this big TV. I want to show you something. Look what they're doing down there. (laughs) That's not necessarily theologically, biblically correct about the TV. But the point is that God wastes nothing. 
And if we knew the whole story, we would read stories going back 10, 20, 30, 40 years where men and women were investing and praying and dreaming. And you who are here as a part of East Lake today were in some other far off place doing your thing, praying that God, and you came down here to retire. And we said, oh, no, 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 no. We're not going to sit back and ride our boat around all day. We're going to change the world for Jesus. Amen. And God was preparing you to do this today. But here's, uh, here's, the main, here's the main thought I want to share with you. The primary lesson I have learned, and I'm just beginning to learn it, is this lesson that God's unthinkable power is still at work in the lives of his children and his church. God's unthinkable power. And I'll, I'll talk more deeply about that word in a moment. God's mind-blowing exploits are still being revealed through the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work in the lives of men and women and in the church of Jesus Christ. What I have learned over the past 13 years is that the God who we preach about, read about, sing about, talk to, the God who is described in Scripture, the God who is visible throughout the history of the church, is still very much at work. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. I'm just now beginning to understand this reality. I'm just now getting to understand this. I want to read two verses in Ephesians 3. I want to give you accurately the context of these two verses and then I want to give you then I want to deal with the broad truth that these these verses teach Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 and 21 coming at the close of the first half of the book of Ephesians where Paul is writing to this group of Christians and he's talking doctrine here in this first half but this is what he says in verse 20 and 21 now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Now, as a preacher, it's not appropriate to take up a verse of scripture, grab it out of the Bible, pull it out of its place, and it has a couple words in there that go well with my speech, and so I use this verse to support what I'm going to say. That's not good preaching, that's not good homiletics, hermeneutics, or any other thing, okay? It's not good to do that. So I'm not going to do that this morning. So what I want to do is I want to begin by giving you the specific context of what Paul is saying in these verses, and then I want to take the broad truth that he is teaching and help us understand what this matter of unthinkable power really looks like. As you know, Paul is writing to a group of Christians in this place called Ephesus. He has been describing to them in the first three chapters the power and the glory of God in salvation. He describes in chapter 1, we went through this on Wednesday nights last fall, but he describes in chapter 1 all of the incredible work that God has done to bring about salvation for each one of us. He then starts chapter 2 and says, you all were a wreck until God got a hold of you. That's the Troy Keaton unauthorized translation. 
But you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You walked according to the course of this world. And and, and later in chapter 2, he says stuff like, you were far off, you were separated, you were alienated, you you were all of these things. But then he says, God has delivered you, he's forgiven you, he's brought you back, he's given you life. And then he closes this section of doctrine in Ephesians chapter 3 with a prayer. And his prayer is for those Christians and for all of us who've been redeemed by the power of God. And he prays that they will be able to comprehend what is incomprehensible with the love of God. He prays that they will be rooted and grounded in their faith. And he prays that they will be filled with the fullness of God. What a glorious prayer for any Christian. Amen? That's one of the, one of the one, I think one of the most beautiful things, uh, passages in all of the New Testament, that, that, that prayer that he prays. And then he closes that with this doxology that we read. The closing of his prayer, the crescendo of his prayer. He prays these enormous prayers, not out of flowery words, not trying to impress people with his prayer. He's praying the heart of God for these people. You'll be rooted and grounded. You'll comprehend the love of Christ. And you'll be filled with the fullness of God. And he knew that somebody in that church and somebody in 2019 would say, well, that ain't even possible to be filled with all the fullness of God. And so he added this. Unto him who is able to do Far more abundantly than anything you could ask or think. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So the the specific context of these verses is the power of God. The unimaginable, unthinkable power of God that is at work in every one of our lives in the role of salvation. And so just let me just stop for just a moment and give you this word. If you're here this morning and you've never experienced true heart transformation through the power of the gospel, I've got good news for you. God can mess you up so good that you will never be the same. Amen? He can... He is able to do exceeding abundantly above anything you could ask or think in your ability to comprehend his love and be established in your faith and to be filled with the fullness. He's able to do it. This is what he's teaching. This is the specific teaching in this passage of Scripture. But these words that we read in verses 20 and 21 are not merely poetic words that he uses to make a good ending to his prayer. These verses not only speak to the power of God in salvation, they speak to a broader truth about the incredible power of God that is at work through his people and the church in the world. I'm calling it the unthinkable power of God. He describes the unthinkable power of God in a way that scholars think is very difficult to, to explain. If you, when we read it, you probably thought the pastor was stumbling over his words. He is able to do far more abundantly. What is unthinkable? What is un, the unthinkable power of God? It is, it, is, it is, as Paul describes it, God's ability to do far more abundantly any, of anything we could ask or think. Now, that's, that's pretty redundant, isn't it? It's like, it's like the pastor is stuttering here. One, one scholar said it's like he's able to, able to super abundantly 
go above and beyond abundance. I describe it like this. This unthinkable power of God is God's ability to do things in our life and our church that are outside the realm of our understanding. Another way to put that is, we don't have it fully figured out just exactly what God is doing. And the person who thinks they have it fully figured out can be assured that's not the plan of God. Because God's plan is above and beyond our ability you say, well, what if it's beyond my ability to even know or to understand? No, just, just follow me for a moment. The word unthinkable was appropriate for me because it means extraordinary, illogical, implausible, impossible, improbable, inconceivable, preposterous, rare, unbelievable, uncommon, unimaginable, unlikely, unreasonable, exceptional, out of the question, outlandish. Did you know that God is able to do things in your life that you can't comprehend? Somebody came in this morning and the flame of your faith is down to a bare, barely down to a flicker and the Holy Spirit of God needs to begin to fan that flame again to know that God can do something in my life. God can do something. This is the Word of God. The power of God that is able to do above and beyond. Matthew Henry says, whatever we may ask or think, whatever we may ask or think to ask, still God is able to do more. I can think some pretty big thoughts, can't you? <laughs> Lord, <laughs> it's me again. I got an idea. Anybody with me on that? I can tell the Lord some pretty outlandish things. Matthew Henry says, well, he's able to do above and beyond. Even when you get to the exhaust, when you exhaust all the adjectives on how big you want God to work, God's just beyond that. You say, oh, Pastor Troy. No, this isn't poetic ending to a beautiful prayer that Paul was writing to be in the devotional journal for the book of Ephesus. This was the man of God under the inspiration of God teaching the truth of God to the people of God about the work of God. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. Uh, sometimes I'm better uh, with myself. I'm a better communicator Graphically, you would love to see some of my sermon preparation notes. I draw pictures and arrows and columns and trains. And some of you think, would you hurry and get to the caboose? <laughs> it's a graphic that just sort of trying to understand what this, what this verse is teaching. A graphic that I just threw together. So in the inner circle, I will call that uh, the things I see and do every day. It's the ordinary. We're all there. It's the ordinary. It's, it's that which I know I can do. I get up, I get dressed, I drive to work, I do this. It's, it's the ordinary. Paul's talking about something beyond the ordinary. Did you know there are a lot of churches that are stuck in that center circle? Just go to church, sing a couple songs, pass a little off from plate, have a cute little homily. Everybody go home, nothing different, nothing changed, nothing. No, no nothing, it's just, it's just ordinary human effort. There's nothing wrong with the ordinary, it's a beautiful thing. The ordinary is a great thing, discipline is learned. You have to, most of life is the ordinary. But, but God is, Paul is talking about something beyond that. So let's go to the next circle. This circle is the great things I see God do rarely. Man, I, I, remember, I remember a service in the old church 
I think it might be the only time this ever happened. And, and it, was a, it, was, it, was, it was a little tiny church, so it was full. And Sunday morning, 11 o'clock, and we're having church, and all of a sudden I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, you're not going to preach. So I'm like, okay, Lord, what am I going to do? Would you please give me an outline and a manuscript real quick? He said, no, I won't do anything. And so I just sat there. I was like, this guy was singing? I'm like, it's going to get interesting. I don't think I'm going to preach. I got to, what do you do if you got to, you know what I'm saying? And I didn't know. The guy got done singing. I don't know what we're going to do. I stood up and the Lord said, start singing. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. So I got up. Just, 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 he didn't tell me. I wish, you know, I, I like it scripted, but he didn't tell me until I literally stood up, sing this. So I started singing that. And we began to sing, and people began to cry. And all of a sudden, a young man in our church who had been, who had been sort of backslidden got up, and he'd come down front. He said, I've got to confess, I've been lost. I've been running from the Lord. People began to cry. People began to stand up and confess. And, and we had a visitor from out of country, a, a guy that was from Ukraine in the service that morning. He got up. He gave a powerful five-minute word. The service was 50 times better than anything I could have done had I preached a sermon. I'm like, that's, that's man, Lord, I really want to see. I, I mean, I want, you got to preach. I'm not saying that you don't want to preach every time, but, but I want to see the power and the work of God. But, and, and so there's this circle that we get to where we see these great things that God does, but it's rarely. Somebody gets traumatically converted. God makes a supernatural provision. These are the things that we've, we, we've, we see rarely, but it's God doing something. The next, the next circle is those things I can imagine and pray for, but I never really experience. Think about that just as we're looking at this diagram this morning. Think about the greatest yearning of your heart, the greatest desires. of you. I'm not talking about fleshly, give me $10 billion, Lord, in the lottery. If you're going to tithe on that, I'll pray with you. But anyways, uh, uh, just joking. But I'm not talking about fleshly desires. I'm talking about the sanctified, the sanctified hunger of your heart. The hunger to have a home that is united. The hunger that, that God would provide supernaturally. The hunger to see your children serve and walk with the Lord. The hunger to see your grandkids come back to Christ. But things that you've, you, they're out there. And you, you can imagine them and you can ask for them and you're dreaming. I've been blessed. I've been blessed. I mean, when I reflect on 13 years, I've been blessed. Literally, a lot of the things that I see today and experience today as a pastor... And I still consider the great, my greatest privilege to be the pastor here. But a lot of things I see were just dreams and imaginations that I had 15, 20, 25 years ago when I started ministry. And I, said to my, I say to my wife, not, not infrequently, a, after an experience, an event, or meeting with some folks, I'm like, honey, can you believe this? Can, can you believe that God is allowing us to experience this? Is, isn't that, is that not true, honey? Can you believe this? this is, these are the things that I could only imagine, but now I'm seeing? Did you know God wastes nothing and every seed he places in your heart, if you'll trust in him and walk with him in his timing, he will bring it to fruition in his way and by his power. For the people of God, for the people of God, this is the truth. And even today, there are things that I'm not experiencing, but I can imagine and I can pray for, but I haven't experienced them yet. 
But this is the point of this diagram and this scripture. This scripture says that God is able to do far abundantly more than even this circle. And that's the fourth circle. And that is that which is beyond my ability to ask or imagine. I'm here to tell you that through the experience of pastoring here over the last 13 years and through the experience of knowing Christians in all different walks of life in different places, I have heard the testimonies and I have, I have listened to people tell the stories that, that God brought them from a place to a place that they never asked for or even imagined. They couldn't imagine it. You see, the unthinkable power of God is the power of God that is in my life doing his work that's taking me to a realm that I can't even imagine. Somebody here this morning, online, in the chapel, somebody here this morning, somebody has, a, has taken through your negative experiences in life, through the battles that you're facing, and you have let those things cap what God can do in your life. And I'm here to tell you this morning that if as a child of God who will let the work of God be unbridled in our life, that God can and will do exceeding abundantly above anything we could ask or think. I'm not talking about getting rich and famous. I'm talking about experiencing the full work of God to fulfill the will of God in your life. And I believe that someday you'll look back on this day or you'll look back on this season and you'll say, I couldn't even imagine then what God is doing now because you allowed God to work. Amen. And in the context of this church, I say all of this to say, that I've learned about the unthinkable power of God because as I've looked back at our history and we've looked at some documents even recently, it's been interesting to see how, how small our ability to see the future was. And God is now taking us places that back then we, couldn't even, we didn't even ask for and we could not imagine. Don't Don't settle. For the mediocre, when God wants to take you to the exceptional. Don't settle for the mediocre. Why is Eastlake so ADD? Because I believe far too many churches and Christians live right there in the center circle, refusing to allow God to take them. And you say, Pastor Troy... What's the long-term vision? I don't really know. God has only shown me the first couple pages, and I figure when I handle that well, he'll flip the page and say, check that out. And I'll say, what? (laughs) And somebody said, well, Pastor Troy's setting us up to tell a new initiative. No, I'm actually not. Although we did just buy a building. (laughs) Almost. No, the point is, listen, here's the deal. If I have the whole story, if I have the whole vision figured out beginning to end, it's not God's. What did God say to Abraham? Get out of Ur. Okay, Lord, would you please give me directions? Tell me where I'm going to spend the first night, where we're going to eat lunch. When do we get there? What's it like? And the Lord said, none of your business. Get out of Ur. 
if I have the whole thing figured out, it's proof that it's not God's. Because God's story is where we're at and where he's taken us, and it's places where he, we're not big enough yet for him to show us. Are you with me this morning? And so if, if I've learned anything in the time of the 13 years that we've had here at Eastlake, I've learned that God's work is still being done, and through his power, God is doing miraculous and supernatural things. And somebody says, well, where, where do you see yourself in 25 years? On a bass boat, okay, for one. <laughs> but if you want me to articulate you saw in the video, we had a groundbreaking with all those people in a field, ladies in high heels with shovels. What an idiot, okay? I convinced them all to come out. We never even built that building. But had we not done that, we would have never been here. And had we not been here, we would have never been. You see what I'm saying? This is God's story. He's writing it. I don't fully grasp. Now, we do have plans and we do the best. We work like it depends on us. Pray like it depends on God. But, but we, we do our best. But God is the one who's authoring this and orchestrating this. And it's up to him. We just got to This don't belong to me. This doesn't belong to me. This doesn't belong to Eastlake. Before we ever were thought of, before Parkway ever had a vision to plant a church at Smith Mountain Lake, people were down here praying and God laid on their heart a vision. This is the work of the Lord and we dare not put our hands on it. Amen. I got to close. I I haven't got to the main sermon yet. That was the introduction. (laughs) Let me tell you three things you need to know about the unthinkable power of God. The first thing you need to know about the unthinkable power of God is that it is is it exclusively comes from God. This is not Troy's ingenuity and Troy's wit and the leadership smarts. It's not, no, no. The, there are things we could do with our ingenuity, our wit, and our resources. There are. We could take an offering today. We could do something. But if you're talking about the supernatural work of God, no, 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 no. We, we can't do that, right? And so the power This unthinkable power comes exclusively from God. One of the big challenges in the church world today is we are fearful to rely fully on the power exclusively from God. And so we try to rely on the power from God, but when it doesn't come in the time or the way that we think it should, we short-circuit the things that we know how to do and know we know how to manage. And then we settle for far less than what God really wants. The second thing you need to know is this unthinkable power is at work within us by the Holy Spirit. He said unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above anything you could ask or think, according to the power which is at work in you. And he's talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the amazing thing. This is the amazing thing, is that the power of God, through the work of the Holy Spirit, now is unleashed amongst the people of God. And this isn't the Old Testament where I'm the prophet and I get the word and everybody else listens to me. This is the power, the power that is unleashed today is in every believer unified around the word of God. And if we'll do that through the work of the Holy Spirit, there is nothing that is impossible to the people of God who are operating in the spirit of God. Could the early church really get 3,000 people saved in one day? No. The Apostle Peter couldn't even witness to a teenage girl on his own. 
He was, he was scared of a teenage girl. And that's probably not a bad idea, guys. But he was scared of a teenage girl. Right? But when the Holy Spirit filled the disciples, 3,000 people came into the kingdom in one day. It is the power that is at work in us. Thirdly, this unthinkable power is solely for the glory of God. I read this this week, and I... I Went to try to find it, and I couldn't. But I, it, it was just, I caught this phrase. It was a longer piece that I, I can't remember, but the phrase that got me was, don't plagiarize the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to plagiarize the Holy Spirit? Here's what it means to plagiarize the Holy Spirit. It means for the Holy Spirit to do something and for me to take the credit. Eastlake needs to keep really good footnotes and bibliography. Amen? And when the Holy Spirit does something, we dare not pat ourselves on the back and give each other accolades and say how wonderful we are. Because I want to tell you something. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And you dare not put your hands on the stuff that only the Holy Spirit can do. Amen? It is, it is to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Some people say, well, God doesn't do supernatural stuff today. Well, that verse says... It's going to be glory throughout all generations. And I'll tell you when God is done doing supernatural things. When he's done bringing glory to himself. And you want to know why he takes a person who is lost and broken and sinful, messed up, cares nothing about the thing, and he can turn them around, clean them up. Ephesians 2 says, so that he may show forth his glory in the ages to come. Because he, he, the transformation in the life of a sinner to the life of a Christian is, is a thing that brings glory to God. Amen? That's a supernatural work, by the way. You want to know why he supernaturally expands the work that we're doing here on occasion? It, because it's not because he wants to make us look good or wants to help our resume. No, he, he, he wants to expand his kingdom. And wherever we're going to willing to give him glory, he'll pour it out. He'll pour it out. So closing. <laughs> I said that already, didn't I? Three simple takeaways. We must remember those things that God has done through his power and pass them along to the next generation we must depend on God's power today and refuse to settle for working in our own strength. And we must expect God to do things tomorrow beyond our ability to comprehend today. Amen? Beyond our ability to comprehend. Lord, what are you doing in my kids' lives, my grandkids' lives? Lord, what are you doing in the church? Lord, what are you doing in my family? Anybody here this morning need the power of God the unthinkable power of God to work. Can you just stand with me and pray with me? Let's pray together. Lord, we need you this morning. We're here this morning. Oh, Lord, we need you this morning. Lord, we cry out to you this morning and tell you how desperate we are that the work that we do in our life would not just be the work that we can do. Lord, I'm praying this morning for these who have raised their hands and expressed with their hearts I need the power of God. Oh, Lord, we know it begins with humility, surrender, yieldedness to your will. Lord, I pray for the family that longs for you to do in their marriage or their relationships 
things they can't even imagine or comprehend. But Lord, I pray that you would do it as they obey you and walk with you and allow you to work. I pray for the lost children and grandchildren, Lord, that are represented in this room. May 2019 be the year that you do above and beyond anything we could even imagine. Don't let us settle, Lord, to let our kids go the way of the world and be lost. Don't let us settle. It's not good enough, Lord. We pray for them right now. We, we call them back through the power of God. Lord, I pray for those who are broken and hurting or sick, those whose financial situation is in, in, in difficult days. I pray that you would help them to trust you so that they can watch you and see you do the work that only you can do. Lord, we need you this morning. We trust you. We depend upon you. We commit ourselves to you. And we leave here today confident confident that you are able to do more than we can imagine and we rely upon you today for your grace and your help in Jesus mighty name I pray amen for more information about Eastlake Community Church please visit us online at eastlake-church.com or find us on your favorite social media platform at Eastlake SML thanks for joining us